Welcome to the Marketing Stir podcast by Starista, probably the most entertaining marketing podcast you're going to put in your ears. I'm Jared Walls, associate producer and Starista's creative copy manager. The goal of the podcast is to chat with industry leaders to get their take on the current challenges of the market, but also have a little fun along the way. In this episode, Vincent and AJ catch up with Jens Nikolaisen, co-founder and CMO at Shinesty. He discusses the irreverent nature of their brand, as well as the strategy involved with advertising offbeat product lines. They also dive into the origins of Jen's first business selling skateboard wax. AJ has trouble sleeping, and Vincent receives an unusual email. Give it a listen. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's that time. It is the Marketing Stir, brought to you by Starista. I am your host. Vincent Petrofessa, the Vice President of B2B Products and Partnerships here at Starista. I'm so happy to be speaking to you, all of you, our listeners and our viewers on YouTube. I feel like it's been a while. I felt like it's been a while since I've chatted with, with all of you, but it's great to be back here. The Marketing Star, Starista, who are we? Identity marketing company. We have our own data, B2B, B2C send us your first party data. We'll enhance it. We'll enrich it. If it's broken, if it's garbage, we will make it better. Marketing campaigns, email marketing, display. We own our own DSP adster. Email me, vincent at strista.com. That is how confident I am that we could help you. Enough about that. That pays the bills. I always wanted to say that doesn't pay any bills, but I also want to say this has been 10 years in the making. I'm happy to say this. With me, as always, my co-host, Commander-in-Chief here at Starista, Mr. A.J. Gupta. What's going on, A.J.? Hey, Vincent. By the time this uh, podcast is released, we'll probably have a president, but uh, last night was a little rough. I didn't sleep much, so I've been up uh, following the elections. So. Hey. Exactly. My co-host just gave away when we're recording this podcast. <laughs> so we are currently the day after election day. What happened? Who knows? We, we have no idea at this moment when we're recording this podcast, but we are optimistic, whatever that means. That's up for interpretation. We don't know <laughs> what that means. Who knows who I'm optimistic for. I live in New York City. Could maybe figure that out. Oh, what else? Something that's hard to figure out, but I l- want to figure it out because I love this website. I love this company. It is one of the most fun, interesting companies I've ever come across. And we have their co founder and chief marketing officer with us here on the Marketing Stir. Very happy to welcome. From Shinesty, again, the co-founder and CMO, Jens Nikolaisen. What's going on, Jens? How's it going, guys? Thanks so much for, for having me on. Huge fans, so Thank really you. excited are, to be here. We are huge fans of yours. I am a huge fan of that shirt. That is, a, is that a Shinesty original? It is. We got uh, Supposedly, it's Fidel Castro's grandma, but I've always thought that sounds like something that would be really convenient for... Uh, you know, an older woman smoking a huge Cuban cigar, but, but might not be true. I don't know. Either way, it looks great. So. It looks great. Yeah. For those of you who are going to be watching this on YouTube, if not, go to shinesty.com and just check it out for yourself. I love that shirt. We love you, Jens. I had an opportunity to talk to you uh, multiple times. 
before we start, this is the second attempt at a podcast with it is. us it is, here. Actually, yeah. About last week or two weeks ago, we were ready to record, and I get the most unusual email from a guest <laughs> thus far. One of the most unusual emails I've ever, I think, received. AJ, uh, as a human being. And it's guys, I'm so sorry. One of the odder emails I've ever sent. (laughs) Right? (laughs) You've ever sent, you guys send some funny, cool emails. We do send some wild emails, so yeah. This was, this was, you know, hey guys, I can't make it. I think my car was just stolen. And we're like, what? I was like, all right, we get it. You don't want to talk to us. But no, that actually happened. Tell us what I was concerned you guys were gonna think that they're like wow this guy's like totally chickening out right here at the 11th hour like who but why would he make up something so ridiculous it it was ridiculous I was like well I was like it's a cool it's a cool excuse not cool because you know your car was stolen but what happened like is the car back what kind of car do you own I'm just curious to see like where do you live well maybe don't give that information out on the podcast we're in the Denver Boulder area. I, I don't mind giving Good. that out. Um, yeah. So, so right before this, my, my car got stolen. I was just like incredulous about it. I was like, I, I, I baffled comes to mind because it's a Tesla. And I thought there's no way, like I, it didn't even cross my mind, like that, that my car would ever be stolen, much less a car that I thought was like basically impossible to steal. Uh, and yet somehow it so easily was stolen despite, you know, having the keys you know, my aunt comes in and I'm, I'm working because we're, we're actually, you know, out of our, our own house. We're, we're staying with my aunt because our house flooded and we're getting repairs done. And so it's, it's not easy to have a kid and, and live at a home that's under construction. And she comes in, she's like, well, did you like loan your car to somebody or maybe they come and pick it up for some maintenance? And I'm like trying to rationalize as I'm working. I didn't even say that. I'm like, why would she possibly ask that question? That, that makes absolutely no sense. And like, is it on the driveway? She's like, no. And I'm like, oh no how's this even possible like very quickly like gps located see where it's at and you know to make a long story short like we were able to recover it uh i don't think the denver police they, they clearly have bigger fish to fry because they weren't they weren't super interested in investigating it um we actually there was like a, a wrench like our, our actual wrench sitting on the driver's seat when i got there and i'm oh, like wow boom that's the smoking gun we've mm-hmm. we've got them like come on out come on out and fingerprint this thing. I've seen enough uh, CSI episodes to know that like they left prints there or it's a touch mm-hmm. screen. Surely they did something there. They opened the front trunk. So maybe they put their finger fingers under the trunk lid and they're like, nah, we, we really can't get any uh, fingerprints off any of that. Why don't you just go ahead and drive it back here to us? And I'm like, wait, 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 that's going to tamper with everything. I, don't, I can't get in the car now. And they're like, no, 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 don't worry about it. Why don't you just bring it back? Like, we'll take a look at it when you get here. And I'm like, okay, they, they, they don't care at all. That's um, crazy. So yeah, somehow I'm like left here thinking there's this like massive Achilles heel with this whole car brand. So hopefully I'm wrong. I know AJ said right before the call that he he also drives one. So careful, AJ. Yeah, AJ's I'm going to have to. Area. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, I, I think I'm going to have to try to think more about uh, locking my Tesla. I just take it. Uh, I assume nobody's ever going to steal it. Yeah, when I heard that, I was like, I mean, that's the something. The funny thing about assumptions is. Uh, exactly. I was like, wait a minute. That. Is this Newark? Like, where, where Newark, New Jersey is like, we used to be like the car capital theft of the world. And I was like, this is insane. But 
I, my family's car was stolen when I was a kid. It was 1993. It was a brand new black Nissan Sentra. Now, this is a Sentra. I mean, if you know the family of cars, the Sentra's like at the bottom of the Nissan family. And it was stolen right in front of our house. Uh, but that was in 93. I didn't think in 2020. 93, I'm imagining somebody just like takes a flathead screwdriver, smashes it in where the key's supposed to go, starts it right up, basically. Yeah, or just knocks on my door and is like, just here, give me your keys. You're like, oh, here, sir. Like, take my keys. Like, this is insane. <laughs> but, uh, and, and what do you mean? Every movie you watch is like, there's like that little kit. It looks like it's just like dust and you just dust know. for prints. I uh, know. My only thought is like, they just... They got bigger fish to fry, apparently. You know, in doing all this research, you, re- you learn that, like, almost all stolen cars are to be used in other crimes, yeah. apparently. Uh, and, like, the seat was down. It looks like they moved something very large, and then they just, you know, returned it. They didn't damage it. They took my yeah. prescription sunglasses. I was like, you should just try them on first. I would have loved to have those back. But Yeah. It's like, oh, well. you look, you're like, you know what? This is, yeah. in, my, this is in my script. I need a, a new... I, you can't I, you resell know, these. You can't these use here. these. You can't resell these. Just, just leave them. Oh, uh, what a crazy! I, story. I guess if anyone out there from Tesla is listening, would absolutely love to know how they did it. Still waiting for an email back. Yeah, you know. So yeah, if you're listening, Tesla, both Jens and AJ would love to know uh, yeah. about that. I have. I do not own a vehicle. I live in New York City. That is crazy. Crazy story. But Jens, let's get right into it tell people who are listening to this podcast about shinesty yeah well a lot of people you know they don't they don't know the name but they kind of know the products where that you know if they've seen some really loud all over patterned you know christmas suits for instance or maybe they've seen a pair of underwear with like it looks like an american flag with bald eagle right on the crotch or maybe you've seen a shirt that kind of looks like this hawaiian shirt that's just a little bit ridiculous um we're in a, a brand of a reverent we're in a reverent brand of apparel uh you know we started out making apparel primarily for like theme parties and events and over the you know five or so years that we've been around we've kind of transitioned that from you know being pretty exclusively you know theme party and event driven stuff to being uh, much more lifestyle as well but along the way you know we we kind of hit every major, major holiday created apparel lines for that we for the nfl for ncaa uh so we've got a, a pretty expansive product line at this point and my role as the uh, chief marketing officer, I get to head up a lot of really cool areas of business. I uh, get to oversee the, the creative marketing team, the kind of channel marketing teams, the business intelligence team, and the customer experience team, and the digital product team. So together, we kind of are the, uh, the group within the company that interfaces, that figures out how to create great content, uh, get it out to the world, and you know, hopefully eventually convert convert all of that into some sales. And Jens, how did you get into marketing in the first place? Uh, yeah, I got into marketing because originally in college, I was kind of interested in psychology. I was just really interested in why people made the decisions that they did. And then you get this, you realize there's this whole kind of branch of consumer, consumer behavior, which is, I think, kind of the foundation of marketing and why people make the decisions that they do. And ultimately, how can you influence those, you know, to your advantage or your company's advantage? And um, but I, I pretty quickly realized I didn't really want to be a psychologist. I didn't want to be in academia. Um, my family was always really entrepreneurial. I started my first business when I was like 12 or 13 or something like that, selling skateboard wax to 
different like skate shops in Phoenix. Um, so I always, I always wanted to start my own business. I always wanted to be entrepreneurial. And so I landed in marketing because I thought, Hey, this is kind of where the rubber hits the road with, with consumer behavior. And I'm really interested in how you create products that really resonate with people, get their message out about them and ultimately, you know, find ways to, to convert people to customers and then loyal customers. Um, and so that took me originally into like, um, essentially like management consulting, but with a marketing focus or for a, a large consult consulting group doing uh, projects, mostly for the Pernod Ricard's and Starbucks and Diageo's and Nestle's of the world. And so you really got a, a chance to see how, you know, the biggest brands, you know, build brands and, and create, create really smart businesses. And, you know, eventually when I, I met my business partner and he kind of had the, the genesis of the idea for Shinesty. And I was like, man, I get this. This was me in college. I'm ready for the next step. I'd love to see where the rubber hits the road. And so I was kind of able to go from more philosophizing and research and the consulting side to actually, you know, kind of learning where the rubber hits the road and how you actually build a brand, how you actually build a business. And I definitely think that's my, that's my calling because I love what I do. And Jens, what are some of the uh, channels that you guys focus on right now to grow the brand? That's a great question. Yeah. I mean, we, like a lot of brands do have a pretty large paid program that we've, you know, across search and social, uh, direct mail is a big one. We have huge focuses on our internal, you know, customer databases. So email is big for us. We're launching SMS. Um, we have big focuses on SEO as well. It's just a, you know, it's one of those, not everyone understands it, but it's really, really powerful when you can harness it. it takes a while to build and build right. But, um, you know, I think between all of that, and we also, they're not necessarily like channels, but we kind of consider the site a channel in a lot of ways and like figuring out how you constantly are making a, a better, higher converting site and surfacing the right products to the right person uh, kind of becomes its own exercise in, in targeting and product product market fit in the same way that you're kind of, you know, creating target creative overlap when you do paid or something like that. And Jens, talk to me about the skateboard wax company that did not come up in our research. It's tell me about that. Where where, where did you get this wax? Yeah. (laughs) I was, you know, I, uh, I would buy these like huge, like, I mean, they were almost like, maybe like 18 inches by like 12 inch bricks of wax. And I would like melt them down and add color to them and try to like increase the paraffin content to like make it really slick so that you could use it for skateboarding. And it was called, it was called mama's recipe sold it to tons and tons of like skate shops around the Phoenix area for a while. Um, and kind of had a lot of fun doing that. Uh, it, it, it kind of fizzled out as I got into high school and found, you know, other passions, and, <laughs> but it was kind of like my, my whole, my family was always really entrepreneurial and I was really, you know, interested in, in figuring that out even from a young age. That's awesome. You know, you don't hear, you hear like, well, I was in college and me and my buddy started something, but not at 12. And then I love that, like in high school, you were like, ah, you know what? I'm not going to be an entrepreneur anymore. I'm, I'm going to move on to just like playing tennis or something. And, uh, yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> that's crazy. Oh, uh, that's awesome. Well, Jens, tell, tell us about like, you mentioned a business partner of yours and you kind of had an I- idea, but this is, this reminds me of like, I'm like, thank you for this brand. Thank you for this company because it's kind of like, hey, I still like to dress up. There's that, there's that uh, right out of college, 
all those awesome parties you go to. But even as an adult, as a dad, I'm like, let's, let me get, you know, let me wear something fun. I'm still a fun guy. I guess maybe I'm not that fun if I have to say it, but who knows? But I'm, I, I love this idea and this concept. Because back in the day, you had to go to like the Salvation Army or a thrift shop to find some of this gear. And you guys have just made it new and fresh. Just, I guess it's a long-winded question of me asking, what prompted this to start? You, I mean, you more or less just answered it. Like, uh, honestly, and credit where credit's due. My, my business partner, Chris, he's, he's really a visionary guy. He's the CEO of the company. He's super smart. And you know, when we met, he kind of had the genesis of this idea. And, you know, we've collaborated a lot on how it, you know, came to be through products and through the brand. But like, he, we, he had this insight that made perfect sense, which is like in college, you have time and energy to go scour thrift, thrift stores. But when you get out of college, like the parties don't stop, you just have like more disposable income to go to tailgates when it's not coronavirus. But other years, you go to tailgates and part Kentucky Derby parties and festivals and things like this. You, know, you get out of college and you have less time, but but the parties don't stop. And so we wanted to kind of create a really irreverent, um, curated selection of products online that people could use for these these events. And if that's kind of like the genesis of the products and and the need behind it, we also had this idea that like we want, we wanted to create a brand that was very distinctive and that talked to people like they were real humans and used entertainment in a way that like you know it almost felt like the way you you converse with your friends and family. Unless, like, you know, all, how all these other brands were trying to be really professional and stodgy, like, and, and talk to people in this super professional, straight-laced way, um, we wanted to create something that, you know, was as distinctive in product as it was in, you know, its brand and its voice and how it talked to, talked to its customers. So, yeah, that's how the, the two kind of came about. So. Talk to us a little bit about, you know, how the creative process works, who's coming up, we with the cool designs you guys have? Great question, yeah. Uh, this is like one of those things that very early on we were like, we need to own this in-house. This is gonna be a core differentiator for us. We're not gonna like pull prints off of Shutterstock. We're not gonna, you know, do the minimum. We're not just gonna use repurposed fabric to create these products. No, we wanna create the coolest things and we knew we needed to build those teams in-house. So, um, you know, we hired the basically the funniest people we knew in college. We uh, recruited the, the best designer we'd ever met. Um, she had actually previously been doing like high-end apparel. Um, and she'd been doing like high-end men's apparel basically for most of her career, but she just is like one of these visionary people where you're like, man, she she can do whatever she wants. And, and she's built a team as well. And so it's something that we own in-house, you know, the creative process looks like, you know, thinking about what's going to be distinctive in this space. What do people want? What are the trends that we're seeing, you know, broadly, but also within our products. And, and if that, you know, is what the, the process looks like on the product side, on, on the brand side, it's similar. Like we're, you know, constantly thinking about what are the channel, what are the challenges on email? What are the challenges in paid? What are the things that we need to communicate about this product? And then how do we not just say it in, in the like, you know, bare bones, minimum viably way, how do we say it in a way that makes people like stop in their tracks and say like, whoa, who is this brand and where do they get off talking like this? And why is everyone not talking like this? Um, it's kind of the lens we try to put things through. It's just, you know, why would someone give us three seconds and then be like, I have to spend more time with this brand. Cause that's about all you get on. Gotcha. And do you see a lot of, I'm guessing you see a lot of Q4 activity, uh, or is it more consistent throughout the year or do you see a big holiday surge? 
It's, yeah, it's also a great question. So historically, we've, you know, Christmas is just a mass. Christmas and the holidays are, are large for almost all retail brands. And then we have a, you know, Christmas specific line of apparel makes it even larger for us. So especially in years past, it was like, you know, we were, we were doing 65 to 75% of our business in a six week time frame uh, in Q4. And we've done a lot of work, you know, over the years to become more of a lifestyle apparel company to sell products that are relevant year round. And so we've leveled that out a lot. Uh, but just because we are in retail, because gifting and because the holidays are huge for everybody and consumer purchase habits change significantly, it, we're still a large, largely Q4 company. And Jens, I got to tell you, I, I love the emails that you send out. I, I'm on, uh, you know, the email list. It's like one, it's like, take, take a break for, from the election for a second, get in some Christmas spirit, damn it. <laughs> Whether you're single, snip, snip, level married, or count your dogs as offspring. I love that. It's kind of like, it's fun. And I, I, I love how you guys are taking that approach. But was that, was that the approach from day one? Like, let's just be, let's just be different from everyone else. Totally. I, so uh, at a, in broad strokes, our marketing philosophy, or our brand philosophy is to entertain first and sell second. And we, we try to take that into everything we do, whether it's the image of a product, the ad you see on Facebook or Instagram and email, it, do, it doesn't matter. Every single touch point should make you chuckle. And then, you know, we should be trying to, you know, figure out how we, make you realize this, this product could have a, a place in your life. Um, and that really, that philosophy kind of stemmed from the fact that most people don't need any one of our random products at any given time in their life. You kind of have a pretty specific time and place, at least historically when we were selling a lot of theme party event stuff for say like a denim printed swim brief. Like most people don't need that every, you know, the moment they see it. So you need a way to like hook people and engage them and get them invested in the brand, even if they don't need to purchase any of the products that single moment and so you know if our, if our philosophy is entertainment first sell second email was just a channel that we knew was going to be big for us from from the beginning and it was one that you know when we started this five years ago and i think it's still true today it's just a crowded saturated channel like people get a lot of emails i don't think a lot of them stand out and so we saw this opportunity of everyone sending this like new product alert 20 percent off followed by a new product alert, 20% off, like that type of messaging gets really old really quickly. And so we wanted to create a content philosophy on that channel that would make people open their email and be like, whoa, I need to, I need to rethink the way I think about email because this brand is talking to me in a way that no one else is. And for that reason, we've been able to, you know, scale it really, really aggressively. Like a lot of people, when they get on our list, they don't want to leave. Uh, and every time you open our emails, you, you should get a chuckle. And then you, you'll probably see a pretty funny product as well. Um, but we really wanted to create a way to like engage people for the long term on that channel and not just have it be this churn and burn. Like you get someone into your list, you get them to purchase, then you give them a 20% off discount, then you get a 25% discount, 30% discount. And then they're like, well, I don't need to open any more emails from this brand because I know what it's going to be. Uh, we try to be you know, continuously variable and incredibly entertaining. So you always have a reason to open our email, even if you're not in the market for our products. And Correct me if I'm wrong, because I noticed this, again, being on your email list. And I'm wondering if it's an error or not, but I could actually reply to your email that they send me. 
you can reply. It's not a no reply email yet. It's and not a no reply. reply yeah, that's that's a guess. You said it more eloquently than I did. It's, it's not a no reply email. I, I feel like it, you could just be like, hey, Jens, what's going on? Or, or hey, customer service, I this happened. Or I love yeah. this. That's that's insane. Yeah, I mean, it, it started from a couple ways. Like, you know, one on the on the customer service from a purely pragmatic standpoint, we don't want you to have to like, if you have a problem, just reply to the thing that's in your inbox, like to make it easy on people. We want to deliver great customer experience. And on the flip side, like we started just seeing, you know, people started chirp, like we, were, we send some controversial polarizing stuff out there. We know it's not going to be for everyone, but a lot of people like, they were chirping right back at us. They were, you know, we were pushing to get on them, but then they come push on us. And so we're like, wow, this would be a really interesting opportunity to take uh, a one-to-many channel and make it a one-to-one channel. Uh, for those people that, you know, for somehow think that they can reply, that they should reply to a mass, you know, email campaign, you, you, the entire marketing team, the entire customer experience team, and most of the executive team will see your email. Oh, totally candid. And you will get a response because if you're going to take the time to reply to an email campaign, we're going to definitely take the time to write back to you as well. Yes, has there yeah. been kind of a one single instance where that, that you recall that you were really proud of for the marketing campaign that you guys put together? Uh, email specifically or just in general? Uh, in general. In general. You know, I, it's top of mind right now because it's, this is literally the in-home date for it. But I'm I'm particularly proud of our our catalogs. We have, we do we've done a holiday catalog for the last like four or five years. It's a huge production on our end. We try to make it you know more like a magazine than a catalog. It doesn't look like one of those like it's probably seen like a B and H photo thing where it's just like pages and pages and pages of products on white. No, it's it's like a laugh laugh out loud piece of content. It's highly visual. It's super topical this year. It's all about like the shit show that 2020 has been. Um, and I'm, I'm incredibly proud of it. I mean, it's a lot of work, but it is by far and away the single coolest piece of content that we, we put out. And anything new coming up for the holiday season that uh, you'd like to share with the viewers? Well, I think this is good today. Good of as good a day as any. We've been we were waiting for the election to end, which didn't exactly happen. <laughs> uh, but yeah, today's the day that the whole like 2020 line of Christmas product is released. So across all our categories, great pajamas. We've got pajama rolls. If you were thinking like, I don't know if I want overalls or pajamas, you can have them together now. Uh, amazing line of underwear. Uh, suits, dresses, stuff for holiday parties. It's all out there now. Give it a look. And well, Jens, let's, let's talk about something you touched on there. The you know, coronavirus, right? It's changed parties and it's changed, you know, Halloween and, and, and maybe Christmas parties or holiday parties in a way. Uh, you know, how have you guys addressed that at Shinesty? Yeah, I mean, we've, it's been challenging because a lot of our business does revolve around people getting together and, and doing things in person that they're not doing this year. And so, you know, candidly, a, a lot of that business has, sh has shrunk because people just don't need to buy things to go to parties because they're not partying. Um, but we've been fortunate over the years to be really strategic in how we've diversified the business. And I think anybody building a business is, you know, you, 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 there's always this tension between doing too much and, you know, spreading yourself thin and, uh, but diversifying 
and just focusing maniacally on what you're doing and doing it really well. And, and, you know, fortunately we've, we've been able to gotten better over time at, at striking that balance, but we've worked really, you know, diligently to diversify the business and not just be so reliant on those parties and events. And as a result, we have product lines that are absolutely thriving uh, in this kind of incredible situation that we find ourselves in, in 2020. Um, and that's also, so that's a testament to kind of like, you know, being strategic about that through the years, but we also have a team who's been really agile and really nimble in adapting to this, making creative that's, uh, that resonates with people in their new social context of being in their house all the time, uh, you know, promoting products in ways that make sense for, you know, at home life and coronavirus life. Uh, and our product team, I mean, creating a, a brand new line of masks, scaling our underwear business, you know, hugely beyond where we expected it to go this year. That puts incredible pressure on the supply chain uh, and on the marketing side and on the site on literally every, every part of the business. And so we have a, a team that's been really agile and, and nimble and, and willing to kind of roll with the punches and figure out how we uh, make lemonade this year. I like to ask some of our apparel brands and, you know, e-commerce guests, if there was like a celebrity or an influencer who just kind of posted, Hey, look what I'm wearing, this and that, that you guys are like, Oh, wow. Look how cool. So-and-so is wearing our stuff. You don't want me to just say like somebody that's got the most followers. Cause I'd be like, Oh, cool. Thanks for your Yeah. Yep. <laughs> no, the person that embodies the brand. Uh, man, if it was the eighties or nineties or whatever, I'd say like Brian Bosworth, somebody who's just like, yeah, the boss, the boss. Um, think of him. I think of maybe the Gronk, you know, somebody who parties, somebody who's got a yeah. sense of humor, but like, you know, also, you know, gets a shit done. Uh, who, who I get make really, mistaken for sometimes because of my haircut and they're like, I see. Yeah, <laughs> totally, Kowski, totally. I'm like six, one, not six, seven. And only a wedding ring, no Super Bowl rings. But has there yeah. been a celebrity who's worn your stuff who uh, posted something? Oh my God, over the years? Yeah, there, there are tons. I'm like struggling to remember of one off. Uh, but you know, the thing that actually broke the, the, uh, like the, the blew up the brand originally was uh, the Today Show, like featured it. Like, and they were like, oh, look, shinesty.com. They don't even like do that today when they like feature wow. brands, I feel like. But, um, uh, yeah, like that, they all like, they wore it, they featured it. And that kind of like was one of the original springboards for the brand. That's all. My man Al Roker was rocking uh, some Shinesty yeah. gear. Yeah, Al Roker. Yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, and he's worn it like almost every other year. Uh, you know, we did some really hilarious stuff with a, a couple, with, with Brandon McManus from the Broncos. He's another guy who's just like been there for years and years with us. Fun we guy. created some hilarious content with him. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's just, it's these people who like, like Brandon, they, they just don't take themselves too seriously. They don't take life too seriously. And, and, and while they are, you know, serious about what they do, they also know that there needs to be like brevity or that, that things just need to be lighthearted outside of that. And it's, it's not worth taking everything so seriously. Um, so yes. if there's any uh, celebrities or people out there that that really resonates with, come talk to us. <laughs> we'll keep an eye out. Maybe Vincent and I will wear one. That's it. I like that. You know, 46,000 followers, uh, not followers, uh, listeners, sorry. <laughs> Maybe one day. So, Jens, uh, besides the uh, Tesla app, what are some of the other 
tools that you use for marketing that uh, you live by and your, your team loves using? Tools. You know, I don't know if this would be the traditional answer, um, but our, we use a tool called Looker for all of our business intelligence. Data literally touches every single part of our business. It, it surprises a lot of people. I think when they see the brand that we would be so data-driven internally, but we've invested a lot in our, our business intelligence stack and you know the way that we, uh, the data that we use to inform decisions in a way, and, and, and basically the processes too that govern like everybody is accountable for a number and the, the numbers that the individuals at the companies at the company uh, are responsible for trickle up to what the department is, is responsible for. And those ultimately feed, you know, the way that we, we run the business at the exec level. And it just wouldn't be possible without a really incredible BI tool that kind of democratizes data for the entire company from everyone, from the creative team to the product merchandising team, to the ops team and everybody in between. Um, because again, everybody is held to a number and the numbers, you know, trickle up or trickle up basically to to the numbers that run the entire business so Jen, so here we of course love data being a data company so would love to dive a little bit deeper on you know how do you segment your customers do you have some sort of uh, classification you're doing internally to good better best type thing yeah um you know the core ways that we think about that are really like the different it, it kind of comes down to the product verticals like are you more in the lifestyle track or are you more on the like theme party and event track? Cause while there is like, there is some crossover generally, you know, the use case is so different that when people are buying because they want to like be the life of the party and they want to be seen, we can surface different products for them. And then there are some people who just want a really great supportive pair of underwear and they're going to wear it in the comfort of their home. It's kind of like the equivalent for them of wearing a wild pair of socks. It's like they can be, you know, they can express themselves through it, but they don't have to be so like, garish and out, out it doesn't have to be so you know other other person facing um and so those are kind of the big two main tracks that we think about and then from there we think about how do we talk to our, our male customers and our female customers because obviously that's another big breaking point for the type of product that you you'd surface and uh, jen's I'm happy I get to ask this, AJ and I, we always uh, see who gets to ask it first. It's our signature question here on the Marketing Stir, LinkedIn. You're Gosh, a yeah. co-founder and a chief marketing officer. You are probably getting you know, 49 emails a day or, or touches from LinkedIn. What's a LinkedIn message that you respond to? And then what's the pet peeve? What do you hate? What are they doing wrong? It's the pet peeve question, ladies and gentlemen. It's the pet peeve question. Um, you know, I, I do think I get somewhere in the neighborhood of that many probably like cold, cold sales emails a day. And so you kind of start to see some patterns and I, their patterns probably because they work really well, but uh, for me, they become pet peeves is, is the like, I'm going to, uh, send you a, a canned message on LinkedIn. Then I'm going to send you an email. Then I'm going to send you an email asking if you got the email and the LinkedIn message. And I'm, I'm just like, if it's not like deeply, deeply personalized to me, um, I, I just, you know, I'm generally not looking 
for things that are going to distract us. Like when we see opportunities, when we hear about things that are working, we go out and search for the products that we think will, will best suit our need. And we just can't, you know, you can't respond to every little opportunity that comes along. You will divide your focus and you will completely like shut off your, your progress in, in the stuff that is working for you. You know, the counterpoint I would say to that, the thing that maybe works the best for me, like if you LinkedIn message me, there's a good chance I'm just going to miss it, to be totally candid. However, if you, if you email me, and I know there's plenty of services that can get, get to my email, um, the ones that stand out to me are the ones where some business or some individual is willing to kind of put their money on the line to prove that it works. They'll give you a little taste. And if you like the taste, you can pay for the rest. And I think that shows a level of like product confidence that I, I, that maybe is two and a half to 5% of the inbound uh, cold, cold sales emails that I get. People are like, look, I want to do a case study. I'm, I'm willing to put my money up for it. If you just will help us, you know, give us the ad assets or, you know, help us produce this or just give us permission. Uh, install this app. Let us prove that it works. If it doesn't work, let's just go our separate ways. You know, if it does and we prove that it's incremental and it meets your hurdles, like we'd love to, you know, talk about how you, it becomes a, a, a full-time, you know, part of your tech stack, your marketing stack. Um, oh, I like that. that but that's, I think that's, that's I, unique. I, th I think it's probably a really hard bar. And so the only the companies that have like really standout, you know, products even offer that. Yeah, no, that that's definitely unique. A lot of companies or a lot of people say with me too, personalize, maybe say something nice about me. Who knows? I don't yep. know. And, but also I like that approach as far as offering something, it's like, you know, Strissa, we have like a pilot program that we would often do with the right fit. That's, that's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and it's not just the, like, I'm willing to give you a free trial. Cause like that still is often a lot of work on our end. It's when people are like, let us do the work, let us prove that it works. And then if so, you guys will pick it up and run with it. Um, you know, in a lot of cases that becomes almost a no brainer for me. That's cool. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, our listeners going to love that. That's awesome. And then, Jens, look, this is not all about marketing, this podcast. Let's get to know you a little bit. You have a little one. Tell us about your little one. Tell us about what you've been doing. What are you, what are you interested in? Yeah, I, uh, I have a 10-month-old son named Henry. He's absolutely the man. He was born on Christmas Day. So he's, oh, he's wow. Up, yeah, Christmas, That's yeah. Not, so we're, some we're sweet figuring out for that how we do one. that. Yeah, we're we're like you got to figure out how we make that special, <laughs> uh, and don't play into all the stereotypes of being too close to Christmas. Um, so yeah, I mean my my life has become you know largely largely dad life. You're you're the vet. You you probably have the best advice I've heard for that. Um, I'm yeah. kind of learning it one day here at a time. Um, but you know, between trying to you know, grow the business and and become a dad, that's like that's 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 a you know, that's enough yeah jobs, it that, feels like right now um yeah that, that's a lot of time yeah i have a six month old and a three and a half year old aj's the vet in my mind he's got a seven year old and i get my advice from uh, aj gupta you know a lot of advice in general let's hear, but, let's hear what is your one your best piece of parenting advice i know it already oh man probably the best thing is to teach them how to nap nap yeah good sleeping aj's a napper himself yep. yeah as as they get to four or five it's the best thing because then your wife can't complain that you're napping because the kids are napping as well 
So yeah. exactly, it, it, it's char recharging their brain. That's beautiful. It's great for everyone. Right. Right. Yeah. I'd have to agree with that. Baby's not sleeping. Nobody's sleeping. No, I'm going <laughs> through that right now. Yeah. So, Jens, being an entrepreneur, what's kind of one thing that was really hard that uh, you guys thought might be easier starting off? I, th I think we were incredibly naive about operations um, and specifically around fulfillment. We start, originally started the company selling vintage clothes because it allowed us to test a lot of what we call like themes. Think of like USA, the 80s, Christmas, Western. Those are like themes that we thought of different parties and events. And then that's multiplied by different product types. Uh, windbreakers, ski suits, shirts, shorts, swim trunks, right? And so you have like, to, to figure out if we could get, you know, proof of concept for this business, you had tons and tons and tons of combinations, way too many to go out and produce the product line uh, to start, at least with, you know, my, my business partner and I bootstrapping it. And so the nature of all these combinations meant that we kind of needed to do fulfillment on our own. Uh, our product set didn't really lend itself well to a third-party logistics company. And so we started doing fulfillment on our own. It was just something we, we grew in-house with Chris and I originally packing all of the original packages and then eventually hiring interns for that. And then our, our first real employee to, to you know, really take over operations for the company. And it scaled up to where we, we operate our own, you know, 20, 30-something thousand square foot warehouse here in Denver. And, you know, that's got its own huge team um, but along the way we, we broke that process and all the software probably you know three or four or five times and uh, it's great because now it allows us to do things and it allows us to do things and customize the experience and be really cost effective uh, and, and do like, the experience and make it really great for customers packages get out really quickly uh, you know we can do things and put things in packages that people other other people who don't own their own distribution centers can't do but I got to say, getting there was, you know, it was really challenging. And unfortunately, like Burpee's Law, something's going to happen when you, like, are least prepared for it. It always seems to be, like, Christmas season when people need it. And we just either didn't have the manpower or the software was breaking on us or we didn't have the space or something or, or the product was arriving late. And so... Um, I think we were just kind of like really, really good at selling and we weren't always operationally prepared for the demand that we created. So it's just part of, you know, starting a business is kind of, it, it's natural. It's it, every business. I, you should hope that you get to break some things along the way because it'll mean that you hit a ceiling and you're about to do a step function. Um, but I, I think, you know, we're a lot better now about anticipating this and building the, you know, the, the blocking and tackling to anticipate these things. Uh, but it's really hard in the moment and before you've experienced it a couple of times to know what the warning signs are that you're about to you know hit one of those inflection points and finally any advice final thoughts for people who are looking to start their own business or about to start their business definitely do something that you absolutely love solve a problem that you're unbelievably passionate about because uh, most businesses it's especially if you're building a brand these things don't get built in a year or two that it takes you know a long time building a brand is a slow process um, and building a business is often a slow process and it's often a super stressful it's exciting but it's also incredibly stressful and if you don't love what you're doing 
you're gonna have a really hard time seeing through those hard times and, and breaking through. Um, I, I think if somebody's really passionate about the problem, the industry, the product, they're gonna you know outperform probably 10, 20 x somebody who's just like, oh, this seems like a good opportunity, big market, let's do it. I love it. That's words of wisdom, Jens. This has been a pleasure. I love talking to you. It feels like I'm talking to one of my pals that I grew up Thank with. Thank you, guys. That, that's uh, this has been awesome. Check out shinesty.com. The holidays are here. Dress up. Take that photo with the family. There's uh, pajamas, apparel. It's fun. I'm gonna check out some Giants gear. I saw a Giants suit jacket, even though the Giants got are it. doing got awful. It the Giants are doing so poorly. <laughs> Broncos aren't doing any better, but hey, you know, it happens. It's a it's a new year. But ladies and gentlemen, that's Jens Nikolaiason, the co-founder and chief marketing officer at Shinesty. That's AJ Gupta. I'm Vincent Petrofessa. This has been another episode of the Marketing Stir. Thank you so much for listening and watching. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Stir podcast by Starista. Please like, rate, and subscribe. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, email us at info at themarketingstir.com. Thanks for listening.